at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writers Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week, I'm joined by Sif Pop Writers, Jake. Hello. As well as Chris. Greetings. Uh, Jake and Chris joining me to talk about some movies uh, on the podcast today. We talk. We write for SifPop.com. We do best ever challenges. Uh, coming back this week. Um, that's exciting. So Friday, SifPop.com. Friday at noon, Central Time. Um, we do movie reviews also, but uh, other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure to check out the website, SifPop.com keep up with all of that on the podcast we're going to talk about uh coming attraction we have three movies coming out this week um that i think are worth mentioning uh and then we'll move on to the sif topic two movies from my watch list uh jake picked tombstone and chris picked the mask of zorro uh the 19 oh, the 1998 antonio banderas one right like yeah yeah <laughs> I, did, I realized later i'm like i'm like pretty like 99 certain we should all have been on the same page yeah good yeah. good of you to check now <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't remember Antonio Banderas being in my 1940 movie, you know. <laughs> uh, was he the baby? Anyway. Um, yeah, it would have been impressive. <laughs> after that, we'll explore the B-plot. Uh, we'll do a fantasy cast. It's been a while since we've done one of those, and I really like those. Um, uh, we'll fantasy cast Tombstone, uh, and then we'll wrap up with a spinoff. Uh, but first, let's get a chance to uh, get to know Chris and Jake a little bit. Guys, you had to get access to my movie collection for the... Um, uh for picking out your movie and i uh i want to hear it what are your what are your critiques and your criticisms and your dear god why errands i mean i i try not to judge people for the movies they own um but i yeah the the one thing that stood out to me is that you haven't seen either of them but you do manage to own both now you see me movies mm, i've seen the first one in theaters okay because it had the uh the tag on it that you hadn't seen it. So the blue tag is not necessarily that I haven't seen it. It's just been way too long and I would like okay. to see it. Like it is a priority for me to see. I've right. never seen the second okay. one. So, but yeah. Um, we lost you there for a second, I think. Oh, I have seen the second one. You have seen the second one mm-hmm. as well. Oh, no, I have not. Sorry. No. Okay. You haven't seen the second one. Right. No, and I'm sure it's bad, but that, that. I don't know. The first one was bad enough to make me not want to see the second one. So I guess, uh, yeah, I don't have any any comment on the second one. Yeah, it struck <laughs> me as as odd that you wouldn't have seen them and then decide. Well, yeah, I, I guess I should own both. But if you have seen the first, I think it might have actually even been one of those cases where, like, I saw the first one in the theaters with my brother, and I liked it enough. And I think it was one of those that he bought the Blu-ray and then gave me the digital code. Right. And then okay. I think he's, and then he moved away, and I think he bought the Blu-ray and gave me the digital code for it, too. Hmm. Uh, I know my wife likes them. Um, and again, I had a, the first one wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. I don't know, I'm sure we'll talk about it sometime. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess yeah. on, the, on the topic of the, the blue label, there was, there was one I didn't know which category it fell under. So, have you not seen Prince of Egypt, or is that one you just need to give a rewatch? Um, I... I'm confident that I've seen this movie. Okay. But probably not since I was three years old. Because it's that it's fantastic. The music. Like it's on yeah, the schedule, I think, in like amazing. June. Oh. Yeah, nice. it's on I it's forgot. on the schedule. I forgot it was on the schedule. Well good. Uh-huh. Cause it's it's amazing. I'll have to have to rewatch it ahead of that. Well, and that's but, why it's like it was one of those like a lot of those 
uh, you know, movies that we grew up as, as a kid, like a lot of them don't hold up as we've explored on this podcast. Um, and a lot of them just aren't worth checking out. And like, I think especially like non Disney animated, like non, like what is Prince of isn't Disney, is it? DreamWorks. DreamWorks. Okay. Yeah. Like non Disney animated is like hit or miss, you know, you, cause like, I also remember like the, like I, I man, nostalgia trip because when they said El Dorado in uh Mask of Zorro, I was like, Oh, the road to El Dorado. I remember that movie. I had no idea if it's good or not, but, um, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, but the one I had, uh, but I wanted, I brought that one up only cause the only other, like most of them, like as I was going through, I could, I'm like, uh, there's a reason. Cause like you talked about <laughs> it last week, you like, if you got one, you gotta have the rest of the series. Yeah. So like, I get a lot of these, even if some of them are bad, it makes sense. And the reason I threw Prince of Egypt in is I didn't want the only one to be a movie like only the two of us had, had seen, and it's one we talked about when you, you initially shared it. But God Bless America is legitimate. And like, we're the only two who've seen it. That was like, that's one of those movies that's like, hey, Kick-Ass was successful. Let's do something like that and i just remember just i remember really like really liking the trailer for that movie yes and then i watched it and And then i rented it from family video in college and i was like it's fine and then i think it was legitimately like three dollars on voodoo one day i was like sure why not so yeah i'm excited to rewatch it i'm sure it's gonna be terrible but yeah such is life is that it yep all i got yeah i mean there's there's plenty of 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 movies that you come across you think oh you really should see that but it's not something to be upset about in many cases like either they're recent enough that it's fair enough Mm -hmm. that you haven't gotten to them yet or they're like considered classics and they're like oh they're older than you are so of course you wouldn't have (laughs) Like, like experience them growing up that's fair enough so well and to be fair a lot of the blue ones are like like i think like some of the godfather movies are and it's like i've seen them each once and then i saw the first one again on the 4k when i just don't I haven't had the time to sit down a three and a half hour movie right. you know especially because like me and my wife watched it took us like three months to watch the lord of the rings extended editions to f- try to find you know four and a half hour window for return of the king which we yeah did, so. that's a long movie <laughs> Yeah. So now that that's over, maybe Godfather Two is next. Anyway, which yeah, like I said, I've seen it. I love, but um, that like that one's highlighted. So very nice. Well, I have one random question before we move on, guys. If you are given the opportunity to go to space, would you? No. That's very clear. I no. That would freak me out. Like I get like nervous and twitchy enough, like going on a plane that's or an aircraft that's you know not leaving the planet's orbit. You know I am out on the no no no. Thank you no. That that that's it. That's all there is. That question. <laughs> Chris, what about you? I mean, I guess it would depend, right? There's a lot of these um, like airlines that are offering like just leaving the atmosphere and that's for like five minutes and then you're right back into it. I feel like that might never be worth the hassle to get there. I feel like this is never going to happen in in my lifetime, most likely. But if there were ever such a thing as, uh, you know, interstellar, not interstellar, but just like travel to another planet where there is already like something of of an established base or something, then I might, if that was (laughs) 
not going to ruin me financially, I suppose. <laughs> no, no, uh, I, yeah, I, I view this question as like you are offered. You are you're offered a trip. Yeah, right. Elon Musk says, "Hey, uh, you don't have to go with me, but you can go. You can take my my airplane." I feel like I'd, I'd want him there with me as, as sort of like an insurance that I know that this thing is not going to just blow uh, up because yeah. the safety regulations. I thought you were going to say the comedic relief, to... but yeah, that works too. Well, I was <laughs> going to say, wait, you're laying this out. How does Elon solve that problem? Because all, all I read about is how Teslas keep Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I want him there to make sure that they've paid attention to this thing's yeah. not just going to blow up because Elon's going as well. If the uh, if the episode link or tweet for this ever gets removed, you guys know why. Um, so I'm, I'm sure he's paying close attention to what we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, favorite yeah, podcast, it, don't yeah, you guys like, know? Like one of those five-minute experiences? Probably not. But yeah, if it was something substantial, then I I might consider it because, you know, it's... Like, I get a ton of crazy, um, like, emails sent to my inbox just because, like, I work at a newspaper, so we're just on, like, media lists randomly. You know, 95% of what I get is just junk. Um, but one of, the fa- one of my favorite things I've ever been sent was some company, I think it was, like, four years, like, saying, hey... How would you like to engage, like, on the moon? Like, offering people the chance to, like, oh, book your spot for a chance to travel to the moon, you know, to for romantic engagement. I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. So. <laughs> Still not uh, been kept. Uh, my answer is going to be similar to Chris's in, in that, like, Look, I'm afraid of heights. It would terrify me, but it would be one of those things where it's like, look, if you're telling me, like, you're just going to give me a seat on a rocket. Yeah, I want to do it. Um, Like, I don't want to do it long term, though. Like, I want to do it like I don't ever want to like I want to maybe be able to leave the shuttle on a very secure tether and all that, like to moonwalk a little bit or to spacewalk, whatever. Um, I don't think I know that's when I'd get nervous, man. I don't think I could, but like, cause all I could see, all I could see is just George Clooney from gravity. Just (laughs) in the distance is like, that's me. And it's like, you, you starve to death. Like that's how you die. There's no like, or you get like eaten up by something in space or you collide with like a satellite or a piece of space debris. It's like, that's not, that's not a quick oxygen runs out. That's yeah. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, all why I'm keeping my feet planted firmly on this planet. Thank yeah. you very much. I it means the same reason I would never go deep sea diving because that just mm. sounds like an insane thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, like, I don't want to look. I don't want to be up there long, but like a day, like go up at eight a.m. and land at eight p.m. Sure, yeah. Um, like that's kind of what I'm. I don't want to do like a six month stint at the ISS or you know. Oh no. Like, I definitely don't want to be, like, gone from Earth from that long. I mean, just, you know, mi- missing people on here. I get that there's people up there, but, like, yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, like, a day trip? Sure. If if uh, if Elon Musk calls me up because, you know, we're his favorite podcast, as we mentioned, and he's like, hey, we're going to, I'm going up to space, uh, or I can't make it, but there's the seat, do you want to go? You know, just just a day trip, just to, just to see it. Um, I mean, I can think of a million better things to do with the money, but sure. It's already happening. Um, so, yep, that'd be my answer. Uh, let's talk about a couple movies. Uh, Knock at the Cabin, 80 for Brady, and Marlowe will be the three that we'll talk about. Jake, which one do you want to talk about first? 
let's go 80 for Brady. 80 for Brady. All right. 80 for Brady is a new movie coming out February 3rd. That's this Friday. A group of friends make it their lifelong mission to go to the Super Bowl and meet NFL superstar Tom Brady. Uh, this is only in theaters. Cast includes Rita Moreno, Sally Field, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, uh, Harry Hamlin, Sarah Gilbert, Bob Babylon, uh, Tom Brady as Tom Brady, Jimmy O. Yang from uh, Silicon Valley, uh, Ron Fun- Funches. That's a. I hope that's right. Um, that's a fun name. Uh, looks like Gronk's gonna make an appearance. Um, probably spoiled a cameo, but whatever. It's on IMDb. It's in the trailer. Okay. He's fine. Uh, it's so here's the thing. It's been a while since I've seen this trailer because it premiered before um, a movie that I saw, I think, in November. Um, was this in front of the See How They Run trailer, Jake? No, I think I was alone in the theater. Um, it could be. Around. I've seen it multiple. It. So I don't. Yeah. But anyway, 80 for Brady. That's kind of your uh, it's look. It's a very limited view of, of what's going on here. But this is you, you know exactly what kind of movie this is. This is, you know, uh, Rita Moreno and Sally Field and their friends just kind of wanted to have an Adam Sandler experience, you know, <laughs> um, where it's like, let's just all hang out and get paid to do it. You know, um, rat pack wannabe, you know, uh, <laughs> <Grandpa>? 80... <laughs> oh, very nice. Trademark that. Chris, let's, let's start with you. Uh, I'm not sure when this is coming out internationally. Let's assume it's this weekend. Let's assume not. <laughs> I, I don't know if this will be available anywhere because back it up a little bit. Who's Tom Brady? Really? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to assume it's a sports thing. Um, Tom Brady is widely considered the best quarterback to ever live. Um, and that that's American football, Chris. It, yeah, American Follow-up question. What's a quarterback? <laughs> uh, the guy that throws the ball and makes oh, the play calling. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that happen. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, the exciting part. Yeah, it is the exciting part. They are the okay. like they are the superstars in the league because they're the guy that like they make the play call. They're oftentimes like the leader because they lead you know everything. So they're told what play to run, and then they communicate to the team, and then they either throw the ball or pass it or whatever they need to do, and frequently okay. get sacked if they have a bad old line. And he's a pretty like good one. Yeah, uh, he is widely considered the best of all time, um, and I don't. And he's still playing. Like he's kind of past his prime, but he's still really good. Um, but he, I mean, I don't, I don't actually watch a lot of football. Like I, I he kind of had a down season. Right. But like yeah. he had a lot first of behind the scenes retired. stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. Right. First he retired and then he came back and had a mediocre season cause he got the, something. Um, <laughs> that's my, okay. that's my football knowledge for that. And the bears get the number one, number one overall draft pick because the Trade Texans that screwed them. Trade that pick. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. the, uh, yeah. So it, it, this this guy is the equivalent equivalent of Pele or um, uh, Messi oh. or David okay. Beckham or some something like that. Uh, David Beckham is not in that conversation. Okay, fine. I don't know not American. <laughs> I don't know American football, so why would I know not American football? Right. Um, yeah. He. Yeah. He's. I think. I think it's fair to say. I think people are maybe like recency bias, but I think it's fair to say that he is considered the goat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe even like best football player of all time. Not even just quarterback, but quarterback yeah. is flashier, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how to like relate quarterbacks to any other kind of player, so you know, that's yeah. It's it's really difficult because they do have an outsized input. So like, right? Yeah, yeah they they players. do more than the other players because yeah. they're the ones who make the play happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a pretty unique. Yeah, 
So it's, it's so it's kind of safe to say that the quarterback is usually like considered the best player on any team, or is that not? The case? Um, uh, it depends on how good your quarterback is. Like yeah, sometimes you have a really mid quarterback, but a really great yeah. like the person that catches the ball, the wide receiver, like um, or or like Jake and I are from Iowa. Iowa is known for tight ends. Um, they're kind of like short runners and passers. So coming soon to the writers' room network. Look for our football. <laughs> With uh, with 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 us three, yeah. me who lives in America and knows nothing about football, and Chris, <laughs> who knows less, I mean, who knows about as much as me, but has never been exposed to it. I wonder if if you could seriously teach someone American football without them watching a game. If you could just completely do it through conversation. You've not seen any like like you've not seen like Remember the Titans or I have, but you know those are the way those are usually edited. Is that you know True. that's that's not a real good overview of how an actual game operates. Like well, I know there's a huddle, and I know that someone throws a ball, someone catches a ball, and then they put it somewhere. Well, and then and then naturally, uh, probably in, in something called an end zone. Yeah, good job. Hey. Well, and and naturally, when when the when the team makes it to the end zone, um, it's 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 a level of points, and so naturally, it's like the second tier of points. Right, because the first one is if they can't quite make it to the end zone, but they can kick it into the posts. Um, it's sort of like little like rugby in that yeah. way. I so guess. naturally, um, I don't understand those point that. values are three and six, um, and then they get an extra kick, and then that can make that seven. Okay, <laughs> it's the stupidest thing. Why not almost one and two? As stupid, almost as stupid as eighty for Brady. Hey, <laughs> good job, Jake. Uh, <laughs> Looping us back around. All right, so so. So, Chris, I started to ask you, if this was in theaters um, around you this weekend and you had all the free time in the world and money's not a concern, it literally only thing keeping you back from seeing this is your free will, would you check it out in theaters, wait till you can rent it at home, wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for, or are you just not interested in this movie? I'm going to say for the purposes of the podcast, I'm not interested, but I'm, I, I do not think that this is an action, like this isn't a sports movie, right? This is supposed to be a comedy. Yeah, this is a girl's road trip movie. An old, older women, yeah, yeah grandpa road trip that, movie. That might be fine. I, I might watch that if I come across it on the streaming service at some point, and I, and I think, you know, yeah. I'm curious. Uh, but I don't think I'd seek it out, even if it was available on streaming. I wouldn't, like, run towards it. I'm, like, kind of right in the same camp as you, where, like, I'm gonna go with not interested, but, like, this looks better than, like, by the trailer than most of the movies that are in this genre. I think, like, Money Heist or uh, any of the stuff that Adam Sandler's done in the last, you know, 15 years. Um, like, what where it's just, like, there's, yeah, there's a couple Adam Sandler good ones in there, yeah. But um, there's more really awful. Like this looks better than Tower Heist or you know things along that line, right? right? Like all these movies that we've forgotten about because they're terrible, you know. Like, but it's not enough to get me. Like this is one of those that's like as of now not interested. Probably streaming if you know this comes out in Letterboxd. People that I follow are like, it's fine. I laughed a, a few times, and I'm not you know it's it's I'm not lo- I don't love it, but it's not terrible right yeah right, you know the, the actual biggest impact i think would be the runtime for me like if this mm. is an 80 minute movie i might be more inclined to put it on sometime hour 38 so close mm-hmm, yeah close i watched uh i watched that writer's room round table with uh the 
several of the writers from this year's like best movies. And one of them was Ryan Johnson. He's like, I just want that 86 minute movie. Like that's what I shoot for, for every movie. And then because they were talking about like the length of the movies, because it was like, you yeah. nope know, until and all that fable men's and everything ever all at once. And Ryan, Ryan Johnson's just like shooting for that 86 minute movie. And then somebody says like, well, there's no perfect runtime for movies like 86 minutes. That's <laughs> this. Should, this should be an 86 minute movie max. Yeah. Yes. All right, Jake, tell us why you're not interested in this movie. Uh, that's correct. Uh, <laughs> but what I'm much more interested in the conversation around this movie because, like, I listen to a sports radio show in Chicago Monday through Friday, and they've been listening to clips because one of their things is like, how? Like, what was the check? How did this movie get made? How did they get? Like, these aren't just like you know, respected actresses. These are like four of the most legendary yep. actresses of all time. We're just missing a Meryl Streep and this is the Mount Rushmore, you know? Right. Well, I guess well, there you could argue, you could, <laughs> yeah, you could argue this is a, you know, you could argue all four of these people This is This is the favor the Mount- that uh, Rita Moreno yeah. got for coming back for West Side Story. They're like, let me right. do this and we'll... Yeah. So, like, yeah, the conversation is much more interesting than the actual movie. Like, how much did they have to have to pay? How did this happen? I need all those answers. I don't need to watch the actual film. So, but there's also why. this is also interesting because, like, before, as mentioned earlier, before this movie came out, um, like Tom, like this is Tom Brady's still paying for the Patriots in this movie, so this is supposed to be like a period piece, like as of like two years ago, because now he plays for a different team because he wanted to go to a mid franchise and turn it great. And then won the Super Bowl the first year he was there. <laughs> then, um, That'll do it. Cause that's the, cause that's the kind of caliber player this guy is. I mean, sure. He's not alone on the field, but they wouldn't have won without him that year, you know? Um, so uh, yeah. So it's like, but yeah, the, he, he went through a very public divorce in the summer. And like, so it's like interesting. And also just seeing like Tom Brady has kind of become a meme um, because of like his appearances in certain like movies and TV shows. Like he popped up in that. Um, did you guys ever see that? What, what was that Paul Rudd Netflix show where he like clones himself? Was it, is it called Living, Living with, with Myself? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that? I have not. It's on my list. It's been on my list for years. It's great. I, um, I, you know, I forgot that that was a conversation that he showed up in that. Yeah. Because I remember that was a big thing when that show came out, and I completely forgot. And I, had, I never it's, got around to see it. It's yet. awesome. It's great. Yeah, he shows up there as like a really fun, just little joke because the idea is that Paul Rudd goes to this place where they essentially just clone you, but they take out all the negative parts of you. Um, so you're like happy and all that and you know healthy and all that. And so the joke was that Tom Brady came in like every year <laughs> right before football season. Uh, anyway, um, it's it's a really good joke. So, but, and then also just, he's had a really, a really public, really bad divorce. And then just a really mediocre season. They missed the playoffs, right? No. Or they got knocked no, out in the wild they card made round. It. Yeah, they got okay. destroyed. Yeah. I don't think it was close. Right. I think it was the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, right, the Cowboys beat them, and then the Cowboys lost. Cowboys. Uh, and yeah. America won. Yep. Whoever the most annoying fans are in, Netherland, in the Netherlands, that's, that's Cowboys fans. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to make any statements about that just in case there's some people from Netherlands no, listening. That, that's fine. I, just so you had the context. Look, that's fine. People, half of the people have already shut this off because yeah. cowboys. You know. Uh, okay, we gotta move on. Um, 
Uh, Chris, uh, knock at the cabin or Marlowe? Um, let's just go knock at the cabin, I think. While vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. Uh, written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan, also a couple other screenwriting credits um, on this as well. Starring Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, Rupert Grint, um, several other people. But this looks like a relatively like contained piece. It's supposed to be like, a, I'm sure this is one of those that like filmed like... Just at the cabin. Yeah, just at the cabin. Like, probably because of COVID, you know, just make a little condensed one. Um, anyway, Knock at the Cabin, Shyamalan's new movie coming out this week. Same thing, only in theaters. Uh, so, Jake, we'll start with you. Um, theaters, rent, skip, skip, skip or stream? Uh, might be script, but I'm going to go stream. The cast is is really good. Um, I, I like most of the people. It's an intriguing uh, premise. But I... I I just don't watch a ton of um, Shyamalan. Like mm-hmm. I know he's back and he's made a couple good, you know, movies people like. People were split on old, but I he's not one that I rush out for. Maybe, maybe Last Airbender scarred me that bad. I don't know, but like, yeah, I I just don't rush out. If if people say it's amazing, I can see myself. Get, getting around to it but not not when i'm uh i'll go in the middle again uh this is theaters for me um i think shamalan has been on a, a hit recently uh i mean i split is fine um i think i like a glass more than most people and um had a really good time with old a couple of years ago it wasn't like a perfect movie but um i thought it was fun and yeah i mean sure Shyamalan has some crap attached to his name but like it's it's almost like Man, it's so hard to say Renaissance because like Split Glass and Old, like a lot of people hate Glass, right? Anybody that likes Unbreakable hates Glass. And I love Unbreakable and kind of like Glass. But like none of them are good enough. Like it's not like when we're talking about the like the Matthew McConaughey, the McConaissance, mm-hmm. you know, when he was like Dallas Buyers Club and Detective. Like that's a Renaissance, right? Or like uh, or like now with everything everywhere all at once, we're talking about the Kiwi Quanaissance, you know, like. It's hard to say that, like, this is the Shyamalanaissance. Oh, that's a really fun thing to say. Oh, I love that. Uh, it should like, be no. a thing just to say it, yeah. <laughs> right? So, but, like, it's not. None of these are that good, right? But, like, Jonathan Groff looks great, and Dave Bautista looks a little off. I'm curious, like, that Rupert Grint um, really looks like he's trying to shed that Ron Weasley in him, well, so. have you? Because I haven't watched um, Servant, either. I know they work together on that. Um, I've not seen Servant, no. I've heard good things. Um, so, anyway... I'm in. Let's go. Chris, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I might be in if I hear good, because I feel like the thing with Shyamalan is that if you read, like, the overall thought that started his process of writing the movie, I'm always like, yeah, that's interesting. But it's the execution that's really hit or miss for him, basically, throughout the last 15 years, I would say. So, Fair. even if even if the just the concept of the film appeals to me, uh, I'll reserve judgment till, like, word comes out. Sure. And that's when I'll make my decision. So I guess at this point I'm on streaming just to keep it between interested and not interested. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. You can hang out there. Yeah, um, it's, it's safe here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, that's probably the best place to be. Right. Cause like, I'm just overreacting. Cause I'm like, no, like I like the movies, but like, yeah, look, look, yeah. I, I don't, there's, there's a fairly good chance that this will be good that I'll enjoy it. I mean, I, I, I love split. I hear you're kind of mad on it, but yeah, yeah that's, yeah. I think that's my favorite of his since Unbreakable. And yeah, other than that, there's there's been 
there's been shaky stuff peppered in all the way through. So you, it's not like I, I, I don't think of Shyamalan as a safe bet. So, yeah, I mean, it's never a safe bet when the same guy did the happening, you know? Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, favorite since unbreakable. It's been a while since I've seen signs of the village. Both of them would probably contend with that, but like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I need to watch glass again. Cause I haven't seen it since opening weekend. And I remember really liking it and I think I'm wrong, but <laughs> That's the thing when when the discourse gets so up on him, like Split was great and you ruined it. That's that's something that that yeah, can make you. Doubt. I saw I saw Split after the uh, the twist was oh, very popular, right? Yeah, um, and I saw Glass opening weekend, and I was like, I kind of like that. Yes, yes, complaints are valid with specifically what happens with David Dunn, but um, hmm. I liked everything else. Anyway, uh, uh, Marlo then, right? Yeah. Um, Marlowe is a new movie uh, directed by Neil Jordan, uh, based off a book by John Banville uh, and then William Monaghan doing the trailer. Uh, Monaghan, there's no Y in there. Uh, in the, in late 1930s Bay City, a brooding down on his luck detective is hired to find the ex-lover of a glamorous heiress. Looks like we got Liam Neeson, Diane Kruger, Jessica Lange. Um, I'm not even going to try this name, but he's like, he's he's one of the raptor tamers in... Jurassic World, right? That's this guy. Like he worked. Omar with... Sy? Nope. Never mind. Because oh. um, <laughs> that's the only one I could think of. Uh, let's see. Am I right? Is no, this guy just fifty-five pre-credits for? He's in His Dark Materials, and <gasps> oh, he was Omar. he was Killer Croc in in Suicide Squad. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a very very tough name. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was Malko in Game of Thrones. For people that know that, he was in Thor: The Dark World, but I don't think anybody remembers anything about that. Uh, it's like a solid career. Oh, he was Wombosi yep. in The Born Identity. Heck yeah. Um, that's a great credit. I mean, that's a five second role, but yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's some of the cast for Marlo. Uh, obviously more people, Danny Houston, Alan Cumming, um, plenty of people as you scroll down farther. Uh, Marlo, uh, I will kick us off. Um, this, this, like, this is that tough one. This is the only trailer I haven't seen. So this is that tough one. Uh, ultimately I'm going to go with streaming though. I mean, it's, it's a early part of the year, obviously not going for Oscars. Like, is Liam Neeson's renaissance over? Yes. Did he have one? Well, like, I feel like Taken started it, and then he had... Yeah, Taken's good. I like Walk, Walk Among the Tombstones. Yeah, that one was um, fine. I yeah. didn't, I don't like Taken, but um, he had a... Uh... The Grey right in there somewhere? Yeah, The Grey was around that area. Uh, I'm trying to look. It seemed like he eventually just kind of got to doing, yeah, at least yeah, pursue the marksman. For, yeah, been over. Yeah, for maybe like Silence was the last good movie he was in, and like really good movie, and that was 2016. Yeah. Um, I mean, at this point, he's just working to keep himself busy, yeah. right? Because of yeah, uh, yeah. his personal life. Uh, I think so. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think he was just writing it because why wouldn't you know? Taken took off so well that why wouldn't yeah. you just keep on you know taking all the roles you get, you know? Um, all the roles Had that people he are slipped before you. taken though was he was he in the rut um i feel like well he did yeah, batman I... begins like two, a few years before uh kingdom of heaven gangs in new york no i guess i think taken just kind of launched him into a new direction for his career yeah it's, it's more like a you know a, a being diverted onto a different sort of yeah. career than, yeah he, than he moved on right. from you know jean valjean and qui-gon jinn and moved on towards taken for the rest of his yeah. career old old man good with guns 
yeah. so uh, so uh, yeah I, I don't this is hard to say not interested well, uh yeah. what do you want jake let, let me help you out not interested uh i could have stopped the trailer after 10 seconds because it's one of those trailers oh this is what this movie is like the i'm not a big noir like old school noir guy and this is just like it's playing all the noir hits like with the the goof um narration over the trailer and it's just it's based on a detective from classic films that i didn't even really like um but like because we watched big sleep which this detective is a character in, in a film class in college and that was eh. so why would i watch this it looks terrible no thank you okay uh chris um, yeah, I'm gonna join you in not interested, but it, yeah, it's it's not only because, of, like, Liam Neeson is kind of not where you'd like to see him anymore, but also, like, this is, like, Marlowe is a character, right, that's existed yeah. for a longer time, mm-hmm. and I haven't never, I've never engaged with any other sort of, like, Marlowe content. Either. I know there's a big one from the 70s uh, with Elliot Gould. Uh, the one I saw in class was The Big Sleep. That's like That's the one, yeah. Yeah, that's 1939. Oh, 30. I thought 73 there, or is that... Uh, keep talking, I'll look up more stuff. Is it like The Long Goodbye or something like that? I'll I know there's up. one with Elliot Gould as Marlowe, and that's on my list, but yeah, I don't think I've watched this one before I'm familiar with any sort of like other... Um, yeah, Long content. Goodbye. Uh, long Goodbye, there. Right. Yep. Hmm. So I should probably at least watch that because I know that it's very highly rated um, because like Liam Neeson being in this one is um, like it's sort of positioned as being like an uh, obviously an older version of the character. So it's probably good if you have some baggage with the character before you see this. Probably. Could I also yeah, be built as like a standalone. Yeah, I don't know what, yeah. what, what their angle is on this. They're, they're also just setting it up as like a, I think that's to get sort of some of the old to know the character in. But they're they're just setting it up as sort of like this generic um, private eye, yeah. hard boiled noir type thing. So I assume they're they're trying to get people who have no idea that this is an existing character either. So I think it works both ways. So I might see it, but at the moment I don't think I I jump. Yeah, it sounds like. It, uh, at least all of us are like, why, why would I watch this? But I could watch a movie that is a known classic. Um, right. This looks, yeah, to be a failed, looks to be a failed reboot. Right. I, I haven't seen the trailer, but like, it's just like, is anybody trying? I don't know. Anyway. No. <laughs> you cast Lee. I'm going to stop. That's going to be too mean. Um. Okay. So um. Uh, that'll do it for the coming attractions. Um. Sounds like uh, Knock at the Cabin is the only one that we're all kind of like, yeah, sure. Um. So uh chance to promote your stuff um places you want people to potentially reach out to you if you care uh chris let's start with you uh yeah you can find me on letterboxd uh if you look for uh the tag chris batkinson or my name chris bucker b-a-k-k-e-r uh you'll end up on my uh on my letterbox page and that's kind of the only place you can find me other than the uh the discord for cinemasins where i hang out daily so whoop, whoop. jake uh so I have a Twitter, Jake underscore uh, B-O-U-R-G-E-O-I-S, and Letterbox, which is just the first initial and then the last name. So yeah, main, mainly those two. 
Uh, quick reminder, patreon.com slash WR if you're interested in any perks um, over that way. Check it out, and uh, thanks for considering that. Uh, we're going to move on to a SIF topic here. Uh, we're we're going to start talking by, about the Mask of Zorro, and then we'll do Tombstone later since we have the fantasy cast, because Ru- Jake ruined my coin flip suggestion. He's like, hey, since we're <laughs> doing... Anyway, Mask of Zorro. Uh, we're doing the 1998 Antonio Banderas Anthony Hopkins version. Just uh, start off at the top. I'm going to give a synopsis and all that stuff, but we will be spoiling both of these movies in full. Um, and also, as a side note, um, there was some feedback about... Um, you know, spoiling the Banshees of Inishirin uh, a little bit last episode. So yeah, I'm gonna, I was upset. I'm going to try to be better uh, about about any movie that has been released like within like a calendar year, like especially around award season. You're right. I make I make assumptions about movie goers and that they see everything. Even though, but I, <laughs> my thought let's was be a- clear. I would have already seen it had it not <laughs> released on the same day as the podcast. Came out. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, and then okay. the um, and then also, yeah, the idea of yeah international releases is significantly later. So I am going to try to be better about that. Uh, be a little bit more more tight lipped about some of that stuff. So um, anyway, full spoiler warning for Mask of Zorro and Tombstone ahead. Mask of Zorro, uh, young thief seeking revenge for his brother's death, is trained by the once great aging Zorro, who is pursuing his own vengeance. Directed by Martin Campbell. Um, couple writers on this uh antonio banderas anthony hopkins Catherine zeta jones as previously mentioned Stuart wilson um tony amandola uh anybody else like worth mentioning i know there's some character like uh um i don't see the guy that played uh um captain love in here but like anybody uh, else matt letcher got it there you go uh that's kind of your your main stars 1998 as mentioned uh jake you oh, sorry chris you picked this movie um out of all the movies you could have picked, why this one? Uh, because I saw that you hadn't seen it, and I was already uh, considering this for the nostalgia pick for last time, so Ooh. it was just a, an easy calculation for me to make. Nice. Um, yeah, it's sort of like in, in that sort of realm of like swashbucklers that I'm, I'm upset that they don't make more of anymore. Mm. Uh, so I will take any and all opportunities to just watch them again. It really does feel like after Pirates of the Caribbean came out, like that's been it. They're just like, yeah, we're not, yeah. <laughs> Um, Jake, uh, your history with this movie, have you seen it before? How many, you know, how recently? Um, I have. It's, it's sort of like Chris said, it, this would have, I don't know it would have been high on my list, but this would have qualified as a nostalgia pick for me too under the old world, because it might have been 15, 20 years since, probably closer to 15 um, since I've seen this one. Uh, and I can tell it's been a while because um, I kept waiting for something I thought happened. And then I looked it up and it happens in the sequel. So, uh, yeah, better man. Uh, I've seen this movie before um, a few times when I was a child. Um, so had... As watching this, I had recollection of exactly one scene. Um, I'm sure you can tell which scene it was. I was a young kid. Get over it. Um, but that right. was the only okay. thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only thing that at any point triggered a memory that was like, oh, yeah, I've definitely seen this. Um, I definitely yeah. remember having this movie. So, um, I mean, yeah. I don't think you're alone. Like 10 year old me was very happy with that scene, I think. Yeah. Right, yeah. I, yeah. I, I was three when this movie came out. I'm sure, yeah, I, I didn't see it when I was three, I'm sure. But yeah, maybe ten, right? So, um, yeah, fine. It's okay. Yep. Whatever. Um, 
yeah. Uh, so I, I think that was about it. So, but yeah, I, I think I heard some people talking actually recently heard some people talking really good things about both of these movies on like various different connections, you know, like Sif pop cinemas and, st- you know, stuff like that film Twitter, um, like had heard people talking b- about both of these movies as being really good. And so I think this was like on sale on voodoo or something like that. And I was like, all right. And it's got a really high Rotten Tomatoes score directed by Martin Campbell. Yeah, let's do I it. Yeah, I didn't realize that because you know, ten year old me, right? Thirteen year old me, right, yeah. didn't didn't know or care who Martin Campbell was, right? But, yeah. Um. Uh, so let's get into like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay. Um. Chris, you suggested it. We'll start with you. Yeah. Uh, I love it. This is one of those things where I cannot back down from the me that loved it when I saw it when I was a teenager. Um, and I think it's, it, I still think it's great. I don't know if I would be in love with it if this was the first time I saw it. Mm. Um, but it has just the right amount of like nineties throwback. Um, it's just campy enough. I remember before I saw this movie, I grew up watching the fifties show on television. Cause that, that ran here for some reason in the nineties. I don't know why. <laughs> I can only imagine that somebody who worked in broadcast television here, was just like, I want to see that, so we're going to run it. Um, but yeah, I still had that in the back of my head when I saw it for the first time. And I think it just, it it's it perfectly aligns itself sort of with like the, the campiness of that show, but also managing to be like a good action movie at the same time. And I think it's just a perfect blend, honestly. Okay, sure. Um, Jake? Yeah, I'm going to just below you uh, on that. I really like it, and it's mainly because of sort of sort of what you've been saying. Like this, this movie is like a mood and a vibe, and it's swashbuckling. And like when it's doing its swashbuckling thing, you can't help but smile. It's just a fun time. So, okay. Yeah, really liked it. Um, I am on the line on liked it and just okay um i think gun to my head i'm gonna push just okay um but like really high side i we'll talk about it right i think this movie has so many fun moments so many things to really latch on to and then it tries to be a serious movie and i just didn't care um like i I stopped having fun uh i think i think it was about tombstone specifically that one of you reviewed but you're just like there's an hour of this movie in the middle that just accomplishes nothing and i felt that way about this movie um like i i wrote down here i wish this movie was 50 percent less serious um i would have loved it 100 right. percent more like because right. there's there's also a moment that i like noted because I, I could just i had i'm like yes more of this because there's a moment in the final action sequence where um zorro um takes a antonio banderas is zorro uh, he takes a shovel and rides it down like a little slope, almost like a snowboard. I'm like, more of this. Like, this is this is what I'm having fun with. This is this is great. This is what I want more with. And the rest of the stuff kind of felt like, and this is maybe just ignorance on my part because, all right, so this is based off of existing IP. I don't know when it dates back to, but like this so badly feels like it just wants to be the Count of Monte Cristo. Like, and I don't know if maybe the original, like Mask of Zorro is kind of like a, like a Latin American like retelling of Count of Monte Cristo. Like it I don't know. It could be. I think I think the the book for Count of Monte Cristo is older than the yeah. Zorro source material. I think so it as well. It would have to be because isn't that like what 1600s? 
kind of money. Yeah. Goes so, and I don't know what yeah. the source material is for Zorro. Is it based off of a of a book, or is or the earliest movie I saw was like a 1920? It looks like the 1941 yeah, but, is the most popular one. Yeah, but that that itself is like an adaptation. I think Zorro is like early 1900s. Okay, but but you're saying a book? I think it was a book. Yeah, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I do think that Count of Monte Cristo was written before, like, Alto California was a thing, so... Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's why I thought it was really interesting that you were coming back for this, because I'm like, this is... This so badly wants to be Count of Monte Cristo, but, like, I'm way less invested than Count of Monte Cristo. Right. So that's why I, mean, I wish this would have just I, been... I just have a genre. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, so I, I'm, I really want this to be Count of Monte Cristo, but slicker and funner. Uh, right. So, yeah. um, just doing a quick Google search, um, so... This is, it looks like it was created in 1919 by Johnston McCulley for his serialized novel, wait for it, The Curse of Capistrano. Mm. What does it, that sounds like, let's take Monte Cristo and just make it Spanish. Yeah. That sounds like it's exactly what you think it is. Yeah. 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 Cool. You're so on to something there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've talked enough for a while, um, and also like I, I'm the most negative voice in the room so far. So like, let's well, let's let's get into it before we before we get to the the fun parts real quick. I I sort of agree. Like when it when it's trying to be serious, uh, I'm like, eh, 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 I don't really buy it. I, I'm with you on that. The other thing that sort of like I think why I'm not quite with you, Chris. Before we get into all the stuff we love, is um. The, the villains were just a big nothing to me. It's all about Hopkins, and uh, it's all about the main three. So yeah. they're all great, and the villains are just there so so we can we can get. I think that's the only other thing that sort of. I do think that it that it's sort of like when it's focused on on the heroes, it is fun and it is it's pacey and it, it goes and they're charming together. And I do agree that when it gets to the villains that it wants to be dramatic mm -hmm. and that's, yeah, that's maybe the part where it doesn't blend very well with what it's trying to do. Like there's, there's such a big disparity between that scene where um, Zoro is chasing down the, the guards on horseback and he's hopping between the horses yeah. and taking out the guards. That is just so much fun. And then, the, the the next action scene it's it's dramatic and it's a duel and yeah the the sort of the vibes of those two scenes don't seem to necessarily belong in the same movie i can i can definitely agree with that during the horseback scene uh my wife turned to me and mentioned that like and i think this is a testament to the movie i think the action is shot really well um Correct, yeah. like that's especially for like 98 great awesome i yeah, uh, this looks. This is shot well, better than a lot of modern action. Um, but there's a there's a moment where he like rides on the side of the horse, like, and then does does a weird fancy maneuver. Um, I can't remember at the moment, but it was like, yeah, he like got up next to somebody and like overtook them or whatever. And my wife just turned to me, she's like, "That's like an actual horse maneuver. Like that's like a legitimate, like not just something that they made up for the movies, but that's like a legitimate like horse fighting technique." So it just like goes to show you. I think they also did their research and yeah. wanted to make it like feel authentic yeah that's one of the that's probably the biggest positive for me i think one of them uh is martin campbell knows what he's doing and knows how to make a great action movie and i think 
not only like the the sword fighting where you get some long extended sword play takes where it's not cut to death sort of the fun stuff with the horses and like it's not you know you might not call it an action quote-unquote action scene but even the dance scene is just fantastically choreographed so like Campbell just knows how to how to stage this whole thing to make it come together really well and it was something I that really helped boost my of just sort of watching it because you could see it you, you can also tell that they just had time to rehearse. Yeah. Because they don't have to hide stunt people. You can tell mm-hmm. that they actually just had the time to rehearse those sword fights and that dance, and they could just film it. And yeah, yeah modern action movies, you don't get that anymore. True. Yeah. I mean, this was a big deal when this movie came out, I remember. Um, yeah. I, I mean, because this was also, also, like, I didn't think about it because I was, I was 40 minutes into the movie. It was right when... Um, uh, Antonio Banderas meets uh, Anthony Hopkins and he's like going to train him. And my wife came home from this thing that she was at. I was like, do you want to watch the rest of this with me? And she's like, can you catch me up? I'm like, in four seconds. Like, this is every plot. You, you, I don't even need to tell you anything and you can pick up on exactly what's happening in five minutes. Um, you can tell, oh, this is a bad guy and that's a bad guy and all that. You know? So um, I think the only thing I had to like go back and be like, oh, by the way, um, was when the when later when the shopkeep like mentioned that they laid flowers on the bed or whatever. Oh yeah. We saw that earlier. Yeah. Uh, so like, we know that that's who that is. So, um, but yeah, the, um, the, I, I leaned over during the dance choreography cause my wife was a dance major in college and I was just like, so am I just like ignorant or like, cause this looks like there's just a lot of like thrusting up and down, like with the upper half of the body. And she's like, no, you're right. That's all that is. But like, this is done really well because this, this dance isn't about the moves. It's about the passion and the chemistry. And yes, it's shot very well. This could have easily been, she's like, if this would have been pulled back, like you would have been so unimpressed with it. But like the way that they capture this is great. So um, yeah, I, that kind of, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I'm like, I really liked it, but it was kind of just like, I don't know. I expected more, um, but it's, it's just me. Like it was, I'm not, I'm not complaining about it. I'm, just offering a different perspective. So, uh, uh, Banderas is my other big positive. Uh, so, like, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's perfect. Especially, like, this era. and Like, 1998, Antonio Banderas is just perfect. Because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's just so charismatic, which is exactly what this needs. So, I um, was chuckling so hard during, like, his first big fight scene in that bar. And my wife leaned over and, what, and she's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I, I can't just not see Puss in Boots right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why they cast him as Puss in Boots. I know, I know. And it's like, and it's like that's, why, that's why Shrek 2 was so brilliant, bringing him in and essentially just yeah. making Zorro. <laughs> like, but it's just one of those, like, in hindsight, it's just one of those where it's like, it's just funnier. And honestly, the movie's better for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a great thing where, like, a new movie can make an older movie better. Yeah, for sure. But but also, I don't know, it also, like, made me really appreciate Puss in Boots as, as, as a character and the way he's used more, too, which I already love Puss in Boots. I think he's probably, like, my favorite part of the Shrek movies. But uh, but it just made me appreciate it more because I, like, I went back and saw, like... You see the Zorro influence on, on yeah. that character. Yeah. Well, it's like Shrek 2, Shrek, Shrek 1 was, what, two, 2001, I think? And Shrek 2 was, like, 2004? Yeah. And the, I think, and then there, there was that Legend of Zorro movie, that sequel. That was like two thousand five. Yeah, yeah, so like that hadn't come out yet. Yeah. So that hadn't come out yet. Like, and, like these are a lot closer than I thought. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, I, I as far as the Anthony Hopkins thinks, I think he's having so much fun in the beginning. Um, and I think that he's having fun during the training montage. And I think the rest of the time, like he just doesn't really want to be there. Like, yeah, he stops having fun towards the end. I feel like it pretty much as soon as they, it's pretty much as soon as the directors are like, all right, now director Martin Campbell is like, all right, now remember this is your daughter and she was kidnapped from you and you like, can't show your face. Like as soon as they just remind him of the situation, that's why I'm like, I wish this movie was like 50% like less serious, a little bit more slapsticky, matching more of what Antonio Banderas is, Banderas is going for. I wish that Don Raffaello was like 20% more mustache twirly. Like he's, he's so close. And I, I yeah. want him to be an Austin Powers villain so bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. This maybe doesn't help that you have like two villains who are both like portrayed as being like this very like, steely-eyed very serious villain like you you need to one caricature at least. yeah i mean with the cavalry guy you get close with the literal like putting putting of the jarred body parts yeah that's as close as either of them get and then it disappears like yeah. that i i think i agree like when i say they're just you know nothing being a negative i would have taken mustache twirly i yeah. mustache twirly makes this 20% better. And then I think I'm up there and loved it. Me too. Well, and that's why I was like, even the guy that plays um, Don, Rafa- Don Raphael, uh, Stuart Wilson, like, it feels like he thinks he's in, like, Kenneth Branagh's Mask of Zorro. <laughs> and Antonio Banderas feels like he's in, uh, w- w- I don't know what's a similar... Uh... He thinks he's in Pirates. Yeah, he thinks he's in Pirates, or I was even thinking, like... <sighs> like Shane Black because he had done Lethal Weapon at the time like like before then mm. like I was trying to think like time period like he thinks he's in Quentin T- a toned down Quentin Tarantino that, yeah that's yeah. the only thing I can think of well, like, I'm, the dialogue it like he thinks he's in if Die Hard 3 was a Zora yeah. movie like <laughs> yeah sure fair enough <laughs> was that, I mean, that was yeah, Tiernan, right uh yeah, probably was, yes. yeah yes. yeah he did one in three but not two yeah He's basically in, in the same mode that he was in throughout most of the 90s. Like, even yeah. in Assassins, like, this is the same character, kind right, of. Right, right. Well, and again, it just feels like it's it's fine, but then it's like Don Raphael is in, like, Kenneth Branagh's yeah. version it's, of Master It's a Zorro. little bit of a mismatch in, in terms of the approach that they take to the characters. And, he, sure. and Anthony Hopkins is even more on that Shakespearean side, mm-hmm. um, especially, like, after the time jump. Um, but like he kind of like I don't know like he's he's a classically trained Oscar winning actor at the time like you know um, yeah but he does like having fun with things like even in like Thor Ragnarok like you can tell that he's having fun when he's Loki true and then when when he has to do that scene at the cliff where it's all serious and he has to you know dump the exposition on every you can see that he doesn't want to be there yeah, well, and look at his, like, whole social media perfor- persona. He's, like, he's weird. He's the quirky old grandpa now. So, yeah, that's, like, his whole bit, so. Sure. Yeah, um, I, I wrote down this one line because I, I really liked it, and I thought, like, I kind of thought this is what we were going to get for the rest of the movie, um, because already that opening sequence was really fun, and then the first time that we're introduced to, like, the, the two brothers, um, like, and then they wind up, like, pulling a switcheroo, and they're like, I thought you were tied up. And he's like, that's because you're stupid. Like, I thought that was so fun. And like, <laughs> yes. I wanted that for the whole movie. And then, like, Antonio Banderas is doing that for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like, except for the epilogue, which is strange and off-putting. And yeah, that was very weird. spiky. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, like, but uh, sorry, like I thought that was the movie we were gonna get for the rest of the time. I'm like, yes, please, this is this is what I live for. You know, I want live action Shrek too. Um, <laughs> without the I feel magic, like, I feel like I'm sensing a theme developing here. <laughs> you just want more Shrek. I just want more Shrek. <laughs> Look, I haven't seen Puss in Boots: Last Wish, and now I'm thinking like maybe I'll go tonight. Like. <laughs> I actually really do want to see that. Like, I don't have any necessarily any connection to the Shrek movies, but the word of mouth that The Last Wish uh-huh. is getting, that's that's gotten me kind of interested. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, uh, one more positive real quick. Um, the final deaths of both Don Raphael and um, Captain Love are so satisfying. Yes. Um, my wife fell asleep, like, during the last... Like, it was late at night, right? She, she's, she goes to bed early because of her job, um, typically. So, like... She was falling falling asleep, and then the last action scene happened. She falls asleep halfway through it. She's like, "How did it end?" I'm like, "And I I really like the way they die. Like the whole, um, you know, Captain Love being stabbed but not killed, uh, and he has the M for Muriela, I think. Um, yeah, Murieta. Yeah, one of those. Things, one of yeah. those. Um, but he's like, he casts the M, and he's got the sword, uh, and he's on top of all the gold, and then. Anthony Hopkins like pushes the gold cart and Don Raphael's behind him and it's like oh this is great and then just to see Captain Love just get clobbered with all the gold oh so so you, you can you can see the dummy that's supposed to be uh, Don <laughs> Raphael just falling yeah <laughs> it's perfect well and then again like the ending looks really cool because you could tell they blew up a mine shaft like yeah <laughs> like that's why it looks awesome um and yeah it's great so um, Christopher Nolan saw that and he was like <laughs> I know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I like really satisfying. Like honestly, like trying to think of like a lot of times these older movies, like you have such anticlimactic ones, or even like like sometimes they just come off as cheesy and stupid. Or even like I think the Equalizer has the most forgettable like final villain death of all time. Uh, like in the Home Depot. Yeah, yeah. But, and that that fight scene is cool and creative. But I'm pretty yeah. sure like he just kills the last guy like with just regular like straight with a gun like nothing special about it at all not even like a one-liner and a kill shot like right really yeah, underwhelming. i remember that that last fight being set at the home depot but you're right i do not remember <laughs> and if you if you even if you just finished watching that movie you wouldn't remember yeah uh i remember but, from john wick when he shoots alfie allen but that's because yeah. that's the whole point of it yeah so anyway like really satisfying like killing the villains here um, yes and then <laughs> and then I was, I was also having to describe to my wife like the the last little bit so like so like yeah so old zoro like he does he does the thing and he kills you know don Raphael, and then young zoro does the thing and all that and then they're all together at the end and then as old zoro is dying he grabs the hands of the two of them puts them together as his final blessing and then just dies and that's it like like what a like what a weird moment like <laughs> I get, I get yeah. that it's like him giving his blessing, you know, in, in the only way that he can at that moment. But like, it was just awkward because <laughs> all kind of a sudden of, yeah. it went from this loving to, oh, no, we're mourning your 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 father, who is also my good friend. Like, Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It, yeah. It comes across as like, OK, we need to wrap up. Mm, I just thought rewind 20 minutes ago. Um, It feels like this. Yeah, this feels like uh, Don Raphael is in. Kenneth Branagh's Mask of Zorro, and Antonio Banderas is in a Spy Kids movie. Like, <laughs> right, that's the ending. The ending is like it's so Spy Kids. Out of Spy Kids. Was yeah. Spy Kids after this? Yeah. Okay, I was like, yeah, I feel like, like just after, like 2001. That's what I was kind of thinking. Um, well, Desperado would have been before this, though, right? Yeah, the mariachi yep. one. Yeah. yeah. 
So maybe he thought he was, you know, back doing a mariachi. Either way, Robert Rodriguez is. I want to see that movie. <laughs> That'd be such a great movie. Robert Rodriguez is the Mask of Zorro. I mean, we already kind of get that with the mariachi guns, trilogy. I, but... I mean, who directed the sequel? Uh... Uh, Martin Campbell again. Uh, yeah, Martin Campbell came back. Yep. Um... Uh, I guess the only other thing I had um, was uh, we've talked about the whole swashbuckly feel. And another thing I think adds to that and was deserved where it... I don't remember for nominations or one for uh it got some sound love at the oscars which totally deserves a sound look and i thought the uh score uh by james horner fantastic perfect uh for what yeah uh, yeah i like the score i thought it was great too turns out james horner does good stuff yeah who did not who'd have thought um my last note about the movie is that it's it's too long um kind of as i alluded to earlier there's just like an hour in this movie that could easily been cut and again if this is a less serious movie i think it does get cut um yeah again just every every moment i was watching this i wanted to shut it off and just put on kind of monte cristo instead because uh, <laughs> we both really loved that movie so yes um uh any other final thoughts chris um yeah i'd, I'd say just watch it for for like the set pieces because they are impressive especially for the time um yeah there's there's multiple scenes that i remember really loving uh as a kid and they held up like the whole thing with zoro and the horse it's fantastic um that that bar brawl where he's like fighting like a, an entire um like guardhouse full of <laughs> full of goons it's great uh the fight with elena fantastic even yep. even now that you're immature enough to see that <laughs> mm, maybe maybe not go that far it's still still a great fight still a great scene um, yeah, I think there's enough here to, to just have a good time, even if it's not necessarily completely your style of film. Sure. Um, I have one thing to mention. Um, did you guys know that Zorro was supposed to come back in a recent project? Uh, the Janko thing, right? Uh-huh. And the entire time watching this movie, I was thinking how badly I wanted that, uh, there was supposed to be a Django Unchanged sequel. Um, and Gerard, Gerard Carmichael, Carmichael was writing the script and Tarantino was going to make it. Um, and it was going to be a sequel to both Django Unchained and the Zorro movies. And Antonio Banderas was supposed to come back. And here's the thing. It's based off of a graphic novel. That is awesome. I have it right here in my hands. Um, Quentin Tarantino is one of the writers for it too. Um, Not just by like characters. And like the problem is they said it's just not getting made because they wrote a $500 million movie and Tarantino movies just aren't box office draws. Yeah. So only only James Cameron is allowed to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Right. But but also, like in that in that um, interview that I was reading, where where Gerard Carmichael confirms that it's not getting made, uh, like they had Antonio Banderas was down to do it, and Tarantino loved the script, and so it's just like it's one of those where I'm like revisionist history. I want that movie so bad. Yeah, I'd be okay with somebody else taking it because this is one of those where you can reboot it and you've got the in because you just make Antonio Banderas old Zorro yeah. and then you start it off and it's time for a new protector. I mean, uh, yeah, you just do it. I mean, maybe he's, he's young enough protect- still that yeah. I think you could just make like a Zorro movie of him as you know that first act of of this movie of the, yeah. the pre-flashback scene and you can make a sequel where it's that you you know then it's the legend of zorro um you know actually where it's um you know somebody new taking over the reins um, yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to rack my brain how do you write a 500 million dollar zorro django movie because it's basically <laughs> like old west still right yeah they're both old west i mean look i gotta think 
like obviously Westerns Jamie, are supposed to be cheap. Jamie Foxx, Antonio Banderas, both of them could be. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta imagine lots of money, several other high priority ca- characters. Um, but I gotta imagine like lots of explosions. Um, um, if you want to shoot it all practical, yeah, as Tarantino would want. Right, to do. and probably two and a half, two forty five movie, yeah. Um, yeah, and maybe he was exaggerating, but either way, he said like you know we had yeah, the script the idea. Would be, but... It's too expensive. Yeah. So even if it's not exactly half a billion, yeah. Right. So anyway, I'm look. Here, this is also one of those things that every part of me just hopes that that script just gets leaked online because if we I can't want to read it, yeah. Right. If we can't get the movie, I want to read that script. Um. I yeah. It's one of those like I I I hope that we kind of like Jake, you were alluding like. If they announced a new Zorro project today, like a sequel to The Legend of Zorro and Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones were coming back, like, I'm in. I, yep. No no question, I'm in. Um, or even if they wanted to just, like, do a do a reboot again and, you know, re- yeah. reset the story. I'm in, especially if Antonio Banderas is in. And shoot, even if Martin Campbell wanted to come back. I mean, yeah, dude's kind of hit or miss, right? Goldeneye, great. Casino Royale, great. Mask of Zorro, great. Legend of Zorro doesn't seem to be so great. I haven't um, seen that in in a very long time, but uh, yeah. I recall it being lesser for yeah, sure. I remember liking it again. I would have been he's significantly more hit than he has missed. Is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah he still knows that. how to make a movie. Like the movie he made with Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan, that was like fa- fairly low budget, but it's still like shot very well. Even foreigner, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, foreigner, yes. Like, all right, yeah. I was like, I'm trying to remember other things that he's done recently. He did that. Was, did he Kimmy? Is that the one that he did? No, that's uh, Soderbergh. Okay, I was like, I know um, Martin Campbell's done another like relatively recent. Uh, oh, it was the the protege with that's uh, the one. Gemma Chan. Yeah, he that's did Memory one. with Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. Eh. Green Lantern. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We don't talk about Green Lantern. We don't anymore. talk about. Green uh, but yeah, he well, still knows how to make a movie. So yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, and I think it's safe to say I think all of us were recommending it. I mean, especially because if I was on the lowest side. You know, if this is a nostalgia trip for you, yeah, go for it. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Tombstone. Again, same thing. We'll be spoiling this movie um, directed by uh, George P. Cosmos. Cos- Cosmatos. Wow. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> a successful lawman's plan to retire anonymously in Tombstone, Arizona, are disrupted by the count of outlaws he was famous for eliminating. Starring Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, uh, Michael Biehn, uh, Powers Booth, Charleston, Charlton Heston. I wanted to say Charleston. That's not right. Um, He's not a Charleston. Uh, Stephen Lang, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, Dana Delaney, uh, Michael Rooker. And Billy Bob. And Billy Bob Thornton. That's right. He's way down the IMDb credits. Um, Okay tombstone jake you picked this one why did you pick it uh i it's one of those things that um i think dicer was did a rewatch because i know you're not big on westerns Mm -hmm. but um i think dicer hadn't seen it and kurt russell must have been in something and he watched it for the first time and liked it. And he's not a big Western. Guy. So that sort of planted the seed in the back of my mind. All right, now I just have to find out how to get, how to be able to talk about Tombstone on the podcast. And with the new format, it allows me to talk about Tombstone mm-hmm. on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So that was immediately uh, shut up. Uh, let's see. Uh, Chris, do you have any history with this movie? I have never seen it. 
Nice. Um, this is one that I know we had around a lot in home at the home, and I feel like it's been on while I've been around. I feel like maybe this was a movie that my older brother really liked. Uh, but he's five years apart, so if he was watching it when he was ten, I'd have been like five and not remembering anything. Um, this, this is—I don't have any of those really. This might be my only. If I'm scrolling through TV and Tombstone is, it's it's going on. It's definitely yeah. It's on right, AMC. Tracks, it's on AMC all the time. <laughs> that, Channels that, like that. that. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I look for the sake of have have I seen it or not. I don't, there was not a single scene or second in this movie that felt familiar to me. So I'm going to go ahead and just say this is a complete first watch. I'm probably going to go ahead and I've been logging like movies that have been first watches for me, like that aren't new releases on Letterboxd. I'm probably going to throw in Zorro there too, because I only remembered like a second of it. I think that kind of counts, you know, um, like it is actually like this one is for sure. I believe a first watch. Mask of Zorro is not technically, but like first watch as a not as copper. a conscious adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, Tombstone, Jake, you picked it, so we will start with you. Um, do you like it? Love it? Hate it? Dislike it? Think it's just okay? Uh, I love this movie. Now, I will say that comes with a giant caveat, which we will get to, and I'm not. And if you guys have issues with this, I'm not going to be able to prick very hard on it. I will understand like anything, but I love this movie All right. so much. Chris, where do you land? <laughs> I think I don't like it. <sighs> and it, I, I, I might be persuaded to, to ease into it's okay, but I, I have a few too many issues with it to, uh, to go out of don't like it on my own. Mm. I may be persuaded. Mm. I don't like this movie either. Oh, I'm leaving. Sorry, Jake. Uh, Jake, I would like to hear what is your, like, you, you said, like, asterisk caveat. What is your thing? Because, like, I certainly have plenty of things that I do like about this movie, but there were some really big glaring things that I despised. So, um, I love this movie because when I watch this movie, I I literally skip the love story. It is awful. I can't argue with any of that. It it shouldn't be in the movie. They should have cut those scenes. They add nothing. But I don't watch them, so I don't care. Like I the the love that doesn't scene. count. You well, like half. It's so prominent. You you love half of a movie. That no, puts I love you, in, that puts you closer to <laughs> No, the. the <laughs> Everything that's not him and Josephine is great. It's just I don't care about them. Oh, no, Josephine is uh, is um, Dana Delaney. That's oh, Kate is Doc Holliday. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't care about them. Too. Like the horse riding scheme, I I don't care. Skip it. Everything else is. I love. It. This is a Wyatt Earp Doc Holiday movie. That's, let me, that's the relationship in this movie. Let me tell you, I think the only reason to watch this movie is Val Kilmer is awesome. Yes. Correct. And that's it. He, he is <laughs> the best thing in this movie. By far. And like, I, I want to push back maybe a little bit. Not, maybe not the only thing. Like, uh, because he's by far the best thing. But I also really like Michael Bean in this movie. I, uh, yes. Yes. He's Ta- great. Talking about, um, like we were talking in Zorro, where, um, you just need 
somebody to twirl a mustache. I think I he he literally twirls a mustache in this movie. <laughs> he is literally twirling his mustache in the bar scene when they're going. Maybe it's more of a smooth, but like when they're quoting uh, Latin at each other, uh, uh-huh. them being hit That's a great with scene. Johnny Ringo and Doc Holliday. Um, it's I yeah so. Both of them know exactly what movie they're in and are the perfect amount of. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, they're, they, those two were the standouts for me. I didn't really care for much anybody else in this movie. I mean, Sam Elliott is playing Sam Elliott, and Correct. Kurt Russell's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, Bill Bill Paxton is fine. Um, Powers Booth is fine. Um, yeah, he's good. He's the steadier. He, you know, he's the the steadying force. Um, which it just the, feels like Curly Bill is clearly supposed to be the big bad of this movie. And then I Johnny dis- Ringo is more memorable than him. Like I disagree yeah. that he's the big bad. He doesn't get the final showdown. Yeah, but... I think Johnny Ringo is the big bad. I think so, too. Curly I think Bill okay. is the leader, quote-unquote, but Johnny Ringo is the big bad. Okay, that's fair. He, Curly Bill is maybe the red herring for the big... I don't know. He, he is the leader of... Johnny yeah, Ringo, but yeah, this is ultimately about Johnny Ringo and Doc Holliday facing off of the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ike was fine. Like, uh, that was. I love Ike. Ike. Was, um, He's so much Stephen fun. Stephen Lang, yeah. Yes. And it's so weird. Like, I forgot that's who it was until I was looking it up. And, like, now seeing what Stephen Lang is now, it's just so weird seeing him in the. And it makes it better for you. Like, seeing hard ass Stephen Lang play this snivelly little coward yeah yeah um a lot of good things to say man <laughs> uh, uh, hold on hold on. I, I i like the introductions to these characters um like the the first scene where um uh like there's the there's the wedding and then curly bill and the gang come up but like it that was fine but like the, the way that it ends where he's like you you know, you didn't understand him. Your translating is as bad as it is, is, is like your English is as bad as your Spanish or something like that. Yep. Um, and he says like, he's translating, he says revelations and that's wrong. And that pisses me off. Uh, there was one revelation in the book of revelation. Anyway, um, that's not what we're here to discuss, but he says, uh, then he does the, the reading, you know, the, like the, the, the white knight, or the, 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 the knight riding on the white horse is coming. Uh, and then all, and then we're introduced to Wyatt Earp and, uh, like, I thought that was a really, it's one of those where you're just like, oh, let's go. All right, here we go. This is the guy. I know what, like, th- this is what they're setting up and it's great. And then we're pretty quickly confronted with the poker scene between uh, Wyatt Earp and um, uh, the uh, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, yep. um, where he like oh, kicks so him out of the gambling. And, and the poker scene with, that we're introduced to Doc Holliday was awesome. Yes. Like, I liked all the setup to this movie. And then once they all get to Tombstone... <sighs> I don't like anything else. Uh, so, like the standoffs in Tombstone, none of those, okay, corral the standoffs uh, as they're bringing um, Curly Billy in, none of those did anything for you. It's fine. Yeah, same. I, look, like it, the I probably would have cared more if it wasn't, I, if it wasn't interspliced between this affair story that I never once bought in for for Wyatt Earp to even slight like they, they're 
right, here's here's the last here's the last note that I wrote about this about this movie is that Maddie gets the shaft of this entire movie because she's introduced and she seems totally lovely and pleasant, right? Except for the drug habit. Well, but then like later in that scene, it says, uh, uh, you know, she, she it's alluded to that she's having a a, a drug problem, right? Because she's got to take the things yeah. in order to cure the headaches, right? Um, but like then that just is never mentioned again until the end narration where it's like, oh yeah, and two years later, Maddie died of an overdose. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> she, she the only time she ever appears on screen is just to catch Wyatt Earp looking at Josephine and then just assuming, even though he's not doing anything, he's not like pining after her or he's not like you know drooling or whatever he's just glancing and like you know yeah minus the one scene where they come back from the terrible horse riding moment and she's in bed like because she's zonked out on the drugs you know aside from that scene yeah they don't mention it yeah i forgot about that scene but to be honest i think i tuned i just cleared the whole horse riding (sighs) scene just i I was like all right twitter time um so uh yeah maddie gets the shaft this whole movie this whole uh, the whole uh, i never buy into the affair subplot like i never see any reason why wyatt would pine after this girl and then of course naturally he's got to be the only guy in town that she's attracted to and she's got to be this big catch and they've got to reconvene later you know when the, at the at the ranch that they both happen to stop at um and here's the other thing if they want to include this affair subplot fine but i wrote down um this movie doesn't actually want to wrestle with anything it touches on and like that's a shame because this movie is clearly geared towards adult. I mean, this is an R-rated movie. It's not like overly gratuitous in in terms of like sex and language or anything like that. Um, it says for Western violence, but I think if this movie gets released today, it's PG thirteen, um, like pretty easily. Uh, but the well, I guess I guess Morgan's death scene is a little gratuitous for a PG thirteen, but. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of blood. Yeah. yeah. Um but you know, aside from that, right? Um anyway, um like because they introduce like Doc Holiday's like recklessness and his um you know, he's 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 dealing with TB. TB um right it, it, but like he's trying to you know just not acknowledge it or anything like that and then they're dealing with the drug overdose stuff, but it's only mentioned in passing and then there's like this because there's the there's also this this the scene where she josephine asks the mayor what his deal is and uh and she and they're like well he's married and then or somebody asks him about she asks she asks him after that she's like i heard you were married like how do you view like faithfulness and things like that and he's like well like, it's just like that's there's so there was so much problematic in everything that they're saying they're saying like and she, right his his wife is apparently a drug addict like uh it's hard to stay you know in that situation it would be hard to stay but like we haven't seen any of that we haven't seen him struggle with her i mean he just mentions like maybe maybe you should stop and then you won't have these headaches anymore like that's it that's all he tries yeah uh, like it's this movie wants, wants to wrestle with like three or four different things or at least wants to introduce them but doesn't want to wrestle with them at all actually and if this movie is pg fine like if this movie is geared towards you know being a widely accessible film fine but like it's rated r and it's it's got a slow pace like this is meant for like this is meant for like older people not necessarily older older people but this is meant for like people that just missed a good western like in 1993 you know where they're like had unforgiven come out at this point 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is right. There. Okay. It's like, either way, like, they haven't really gotten any much like this recently. So, like, is I'm going to stop. I'll just, this, <laughs> again, if this movie wants to be a comedy, I'm all here for it. If this movie wants to be serious, I'm all here for it. But this, this was a kid's movie wrapped up in an adult script. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how much of this movie was, like, checkboxes, because Wider was real. So there will have been accounts of, like, things that happened in his life, and this might have been one of those cases where they wanted to, like, include all of that. Um, And then as as a result, they didn't really give anything, like, their full attention. To the movie's credit, from my understanding, they did a lot accurately, Um, even down to Doc Holliday's last words. Um, and I'm pretty sure that I'm your Huckleby is a like common attribute to, uh, to them. Um, I think, I think they tried to get a lot historically accurate, but like you can be historically accurate and make a compelling story. Yeah. (laughs) Cause we, like we are supposed to like Wyatt, right? We are supposed to be happy that he survives. And instead I'm like, oh, well, yeah, by the way that, that everyone in the film seems to look up to him. Well, but. Not everyone, and like talking about the historical accuracy, um, that's something that because like with a lot of these westerns, like the the heroes are always just lionized and everybody loves them. Not the case. There's a big contingent in Tombstone, like with the sheriff, and there are definitely two sides of that, and that's something that obviously. That is historically accurate, because like while we sort of think of White Oak as like, oh, he's a hero, not the case at the time, because like newspapers used to be like sort of like cable news is now, you'd have one giving one side, one giving the other. So there was a big contingent who wanted, like, Wyatt Oak rounded up and arrested and thought, like, okay, corrals like that. And you get that because, you know, the sheriff's writing, like, literally in league with the Cowboys by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I do think they wrestle with that. And the one thing I do think they wrestle with a decent amount is uh, sort of the demons that, that Wyatt has. Mm. Hmm. I don't know. I this became a thing for me, I guess, which is why I love it so much. It became a thing in our um, like our gov class. Like we co- we started quoting this movie constantly. I quote this movie constantly. This movie is just very quotable for me. So I I'm never going to be able to separate that from the fact for this movie so i'm always going to love it despite what it definitely has but yeah i it, it's one i always go back to i have literally nothing else to say <laughs> uh i'm glad you yeah. like it jake and i i think chris we're in the minority i think people mostly like this movie i think generally people enjoy it yeah i, I think i had kind of the opposite problem i had that you had with the mask of zorro I had the problem that it seemed to me that on, like, the hero side, everything was, like, really serious. Yep. And then on the, like, the amount of times Powers Booth does that over-the-top villainous chuckle, like, yeah, take a shot every time he does that, you end up with alcohol poisoning. That's, it's, it's, it's a little too much. He, yeah, and I, I did like, I did like Michael Bean's performance, but yeah, I just... I felt like it was kind of out of balance between like sort of like the, the seriousness that they went for. And yeah, why nervous this sort of like uh, affected lawman who just wants to leave it all behind. And then, you know, you get these cowboys coming into town, just shooting up the place and laughing about it. It's kind of, yeah, kind of a mismatch in tone. I figured. Sure. I don't, 
I don't know. I did. I get it. Like I said, I get it. But it worked for me because I like the quippiness and I like some of the action. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's definitely things about it that I enjoyed. Like, yeah, there's there's scenes that I liked, but it's yeah, they didn't match together in a way that was satisfying to me. Like, there's 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 two moments, I guess, in in the film where it's it's like, okay, we need to. Um, bring the law back to this town, and then you just get a couple montages of them going around and just shooting people randomly. Well, it's I mean it's it's the cowboys, so they're not shooting random people. But yeah, it's just it felt weird that you're just getting I don't know like twelve shots of of, of them hunting down these these gangsters basically, and then you're right back into town. All right, let's go back into the relationship drama, and it's it it felt disjointed. It, it felt like the movie was both too long and not long enough at the same time. Mm. It felt like for the story they wanted to tell, it should have been a miniseries. Uh, yes. But for the story that I wanted, it should have been 30 minutes shorter. Right. Like for yeah, the movie you, that I wanted them to make. Yeah. There, there's a version of this where, where oh. you definitely, you can, you can set up like a limited series that is about Tombstone as a town. If you want to make it uh, just a, a vertical slice of White Earp's life, yeah, you 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 leave out a bunch of stuff. What sort of? Yeah, it does. It certainly about a very specific chunk. You know, I think it does that. Yeah, but I think you can do it more efficiently. I I'd be interested. I I don't think you're likely to, and I've never seen it just because I know I'm so married to this version, but. I would be curious if you guys ever got around to the dueling, the other half of the dueling Wyatt Oakums. That's Kevin Costner is, uh, yeah. Is in, yeah, I haven't and seen that, that either. And if that solves any of it. But, it might, I don't know. But if you like this, I don't... Be interesting to see if, if that hits me differently. I'm looking at IMDb's and there's a alternate version of this film. A Vista series director's cut was released in February 2002. Just under five minutes of never-before-seen footage were restored. Most noticeable were uh, a scene showing the depths of Maddie's addiction to laudanum and her jealousy over Josephine. I don't think you could show the depths of that in five minutes or less. It takes more than just one scene to really, like... Yeah. yeah. Um, is that, is it, that only one scene, or is that, like, interspersed? A scene... AC. Which also, that five minutes also includes a somber soliloquy by Doc quoting Kublikan, uh, a scene explaining Kate's sudden disappearance from the film. <laughs> that would have been useful to have. <laughs> and a scene with McMasters and the Cowboys meeting one last time. A small scene showing the graphic result of that meeting has been reinserted with the line, they got McMasters being moved into this small insert. Uh, I guess I had one last thing. Uh, just Watching um, Mask of Zorro because it was on Netflix and it was available in 4K just made me angry that I've got a DVD copy of Tombstone and I think that might, there might be a Blu-ray, I don't know, there's Blu-ray. Tombstone's one of those weird films caught in like distribution hell and we were, I think, supposed to be getting a 4K and now that's not happening. So I need... More high I the copy I watched this on a Blu-ray that I owned. Okay, um, I put it in the pile to sell because I don't see myself ever watching this movie again. Um, and uh, uh, I look, it's a Blu-ray, but I'm pretty sure it was only putting out like 
540p max um definitely not a 1080p um definitely you know maybe 720 top anyway um dvd quality blu-ray um yeah um i think that's it i think i'm out i'm good my soul is sufficiently been crushed again jake i think you're in the minority the majority uh i think we're in the minority it's it's fine because like even as i'm watching this i'm like you know, if I wasn't so, like, if I didn't have my rose-colored glass, I'm like, ah, uh, as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, God, I don't know. Hey, cutting out the entire anything having to do with Josephine and Kate, uh, um, uh, yeah. uh, shoot, the uh, Maddie. Yeah, thanks. Uh, cutting co- them completely out of this movie, um, yeah, it puts me into the liked it camp. Um, probably just it barely. Might. But it might get be... me into it. It's okay. Yeah, I, like it's it still would go in the cell pile. It'd still be like there's not really anything memorable for here for me except for Val Kilmer's performance. But I could always just YouTube a scene. Oh, uh, which I do all that, dude. I'll get down a, if I get yeah. down one. Or, I'll get down my favorite. Or I can turn on AMC at any given time, and Tombstone <laughs> is probably playing. <laughs> yeah, and just cross your fingers. It's not in an extended Wyatt yeah. um, well that'll move us to our B plot we're going to fantasy cast uh, a remake of Tombstone um, let's see we have Wyatt Earp Doc Holliday Virgil Morgan Curly Bill Johnny Ringo Ike Josephine Kate that's uh, Doc's girl um, a writer and a director uh, who wants to kick us off uh, I can I guess sure who's uh, your Wyatt so this is this was hard, harder than I expected. I think it's just because Tombstone is so '90s, and you had all the mustaches. And it's a very specific feel. So putting that on some of these people is a little odd. So I took some swings. So we'll see how this goes. Uh-huh. Uh, but for Wyatt, I feel pretty good about this one. Uh, I went Chris Pratt. Wyatt. Mm-hmm. He can right. do this steely yeah. eyed hero thing. That's Sort of. Sure. For my steely-eyed hero, um, I went with John Hamm, and I think he could rock okay. a really great mustache. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him with like more than stubble. Well, yeah, I don't we, know. Know, we know Chris Chris Pine can. True, he, he did it. Yeah, so. I think John Hamm exclusively does clean shaven or or stubble. I don't know that I've seen him. With yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think, and especially like. I think my version of the movie is just a little bit like more in the comedic and John, John Hamm also does have, that, but like, or at least a little less seriously, yeah. you know, it takes itself a little less seriously. like, but I still want to like honor and respect, like, this is a true story. So like, but either way, like, I think, yeah, have fun with it. I, I think one of the biggest letdowns for me for this movie was that I was told this movie was fun and I had no fun. So, um, except for when Val Kilmer's on the screen. <laughs> so, um, uh, Chris, who did you cast? Yeah, I'm, I'm going the opposite direction. I'm making a very serious version of this Great. movie. Perfect. Um, why it was actually the hardest for me. And I left it open the longest because I don't know. I just kept going through names and being like, okay, he'd be able to do it, but he's English. All right. He'd be able to do it, but he's black. And I do kind of want to, like, you know, be mm. a little truthful here. So I, I eventually ended up on Adam Driver. Oh, okay. I like that. I, I can see him given the, the hell's coming with. Like, yeah. I can mm. see that. Like, uh, Jake, who, who is your Doc Holiday? Uh, so, spe- speaking of not having any Brits in your uh, American <laughs> Western, uh, like, if we're going full on manic. 
Doc Holiday vibes. Uh, that right now for me means Matt Smith is playing Doc Holiday. So um, I, I think he works really well with sort of the, the quotableness, just the overall vibe and swagger uh, perfectly uh, for him. And he's already played a doctor before. Uh, also, too. Also, too. It's a one to one. It's a shake a second. <laughs> Lateral move. Um, Chris, this is where I put Adam Driver um, oh, for Doc Holiday. And um, I wanted to channel his Logan Lucky out of him. Uh, okay. Like, I that's kind of what that. I thought. Like, I, I wanted yeah. the more, like, yeah, like, kind of slapsticky. Like, a little bit more of a straight man. I mean, if everybody else is a little bit more comedic, like he still has to have like yes. his wild moments, but like, I think he's so funny in Logan Lucky. Um, yeah. I think his range is broad enough that he can do both those roles for sure. I, yeah, I agree. Uh, so I, I just, I thought he also has to be like, he, he's got to be able to have that, like still amazing, like shootout moment at the end or, um, you know, still, this would probably be the hardest role to play. I think because I think so. Yeah. Because like you have everybody kind of playing their standard roles and then, um, but then also like, I feel like for the first half, Adam driver would do a really good job of like, you know, there's something else going on with him, Mm -hmm. um, but not revealed. And then all of a sudden it's revealed and it becomes obvious. I think Adam driver can pull all that off. So, yep. Uh, So who did you cast Chris? I think I cast the only actor who can do this. And I think that's Ben Foster. Mm, that's such a good choice. I He was one of the people who I'm just like, I'm going to try to see if I can cast this without Ben Foster. Yeah, and I don't think you can. I think I think if you could, you'd cast him in every role. But I like that you're doing it. <laughs> I like that Jason you're doing it. For this week. I, I like that. Yeah, I like that you're doing it on the hero side. Because like Hello High Waters in my top five movies. So, yeah. And I'm also thinking of 310 to Yuma for Ben Foster here. (laughs) Every hero is played by Ben Foster if you villain by Jason Statham. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Best movie ever. Come on. Super serious, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be be a nice reunion from that mechanic movie they did together. I kind of like that one. It's okay. Yeah, Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um, All right, now on to our uh, Virgils. This is the Sam Elliott character. Yeah, this one took me a while because... Uh, honestly, you could just do Sam Elliott again, because it's Sam yep. Elliott. Um, you could do another person that I'll say when we're through, so just in case I don't step on somebody else's choice. Didn't want to do that. Uh, I went with Jeremy Renner. Um, mm. I, I think he can do the, the stoic. Um, he's the most stoic. Okay. Yeah. So, and I think he can sort of stand there with you know, because Virgil's complex. He's he's sort of smoldering got some stuff and i i think uh, can make that happen um i went with michael shannon for this role um virgil is a little bit older than the rest of the crew and michael shannon is like pinnacle bad guy um but like he's such he's so good at being a bad guy but i feel like then he kind of got typecast into being bad guy all the time Mm -hmm. and i think also like knives out just brought something like fresh out of him Mm -hmm. um I love Michael Shannon and I want to see him in this kind of like, he's more of a mentor, you know, and he's, he's kind of, he's quick to react when they, when they decide to take away all the guns. Um, like, so it's still a little bit of a loose cannon. Um, so yeah, that's my pick. Yeah. Michael Shannon. You too. Oh, really? Yep. Whoa. Yep. All right. And I, I, I know you haven't seen it, Aaron, because I went through your collection. Take shelter. No. 
Midnight Special. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's good. Yep. I, that's that's what I really leaned on for picking him for this role, and I'd really like you to watch that as well because it's yeah. it's uh, it's not an it's not a masterpiece of the film, but it's 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 it, it is. I think it is Michael Shannon as you're going to have a hard time finding him elsewhere. Mm. Okay. I think he's yeah. There he does something in that movie that I don't think he gets the chance to do a lot, and I think that's that's what I went for in in casting him here. So it's it's interesting that we sort of like went different directions, but ended up in the same <laughs> casting. Yeah, the other the other one that was a little obvious. I didn't want to go Jeff Blair because that was the other yeah. sort of. Yeah, that would have been good though. Yeah. yeah. What's What's amazing, Chris, is that so far um, we have picked two of the three same actors. Yeah, correct. Yeah, uh, you just have driver flip flop. Yeah. Let, let's see how much we can keep going. Um, uh, Jake, who I'm does, just gonna lie and say I have your Morgan. Uh, so this is this was a little tough, just because you need someone around the same age, little younger, but can pull off that sort of innocence or naivete. And that's a sort of a tough balance to hit. Um, so I went with uh, Logan Lerman uh, was my choice here. Mm. Um, sort of going off Fury type vibes. Um, I, I think. All right, I'm thinking I might have to change my pickup here just because this is this is to me was the hardest character to cast um, because <laughs> he's it's a very forgettable character except for his death scene. Um, like that's all you need is somebody that can die well. Um, <laughs> Right, like you have me intrigued. He, like he, he's he's always just around, and then he's dead. Um, yeah, he doesn't really have much to do, and so I was like, all right, well, I, I want to try to lump in about the same age rate, age range as John Hamm, Adam Driver, Michael Shannon. So Sean Bean. <laughs> no, <laughs> I went with Guy Pierce. Oh, oh yeah, I like that. I mean, he's I think he's maybe a little older than maybe Michael Shannon would be older, but like certainly Guy Pierce is older than John Hamm and Adam Driver. Like I was just really like feeling, and and the guy Pierce also incredible bad guy in tons of movies. But I was really thinking kind of that like fresh vibe that he gets in L.A. Confidential. Um, like that's kind of what I was like thinking about for this role. I mean, also Michael uh, Guy Pierce has been in a western before. He's in Lawless, and he's so good in Lawless. Have you um, seen Brimstone? No, he's terrifying in that movie, <laughs> and that's mostly because he plays a Dutchman. I think like. <laughs> Like his accent is a little too good. Nice. So I mean, I, maybe the age thing doesn't quite work, but whatever. I don't know. CGI makeup, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just make him look younger. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, Chris. Uh, yeah, this was was a hard one for me as well. So you need someone who can play a brother to Michael Shannon and Adam Driver, which is already a, a strange combination. I feel like so I didn't I didn't try to match them that, uh, and I do. Know that he can grow a killer mustache because he did that this year. I've got Miles Teller. Yeah, all right, I like it. Cool. Uh, Yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah, it's pretty much a nothing role, but I think like um, he can he can make it a little more than what it is. I think, and I think he can he can probably die pretty well. I did think about him for another role, but yeah. Oh, interesting. All right, Curly Bill, who you got? Uh, based off his performance in Vengeance, I want more like that. So I'm going Ashton Kutcher. Uh, hmm. So it's more of a straight man villain 
type role. You know, you got to be a little terrifying, but, you know, it's not that crazy. Mm-hmm. So I, I like seeing Ashton Kutcher playing a villain. So um, I like... Um, man, after, after we go through this round, I'll tell you who I almost put in here. Uh, I went with Walton Goggins, though. Um, yeah. thought of him. I thought of him for wider enough. Oh, yeah. I just, I, I actually originally wrote him down for Johnny Ringo, and then I couldn't find a better Curly Bill, so I wound up just moving <laughs> him up. Um, and then I found somebody that I really liked for Johnny Ringo. Uh, well, because I found somebody else I really liked, and I was like, well, I'll put him as Johnny Ringo, and then I'll move Walton Goggins up, especially because Johnny's supposed to be younger than Curly, like that kind yeah. of power dynamic. Um, Walton Goggins just commands the screen every time he's on in every mm-hmm. movie, so um, for sure. Uh, your turn, Chris. Yeah, so I, I tried to to find someone who could maybe sort of match Powers Booth as an actor, but maybe do the role in a little bit more of a serious manner than than Powers Booth did in my mind. So I went for Josh Brolin. Yeah, yeah, I like it. That's a great choice. That works. Um, I almost had Mads Mikkelsen here. Uh, I feel like I put him in a lot of things mm. though. Yeah, I almost cast him somewhere. Yeah. Pro- that probably yeah. would have been. And then uh, <laughs> at one point in here. Just because I was like really wanting to try something, I I put Russell Brand down, and then I was like, no, never mind. <laughs> I mean, you are leaning there, into the comedy, you say. There's one a little. There's okay. one role I think he could have won. All right. Uh, so, who are our Johnny Ringos then? Uh, based solely off his performance, uh, Goblet of Fire. I'm going David. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's great. He's, he's not in a whole lot of Goblet of Fire, but yeah, he is. Man, yeah. I would, based off his role in Jessica Jones, man, I mean. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Yeah, I want to see that now. <laughs> Jake wins. Um, but you, no, you don't want any Brits in your Westerns, so. I mean, I, you... I purposely didn't want any Brits because these were real people. In, in any other Western with, like, fictional characters, I don't care. I, but, I cast yeah. a Brit in this role. Um, oh, you tell. Uh, I put Andrew Garfield here. Um, sure. Because I thought of the scene uh, where they do the whole like twirling guns back and forth. And I thought like, who can pull that off with that like smug attitude oh, um, yeah. that he has? So that was the scene yeah. that I specifically picked for it. Uh, and then also just that intro scene where he's just like, your English is as bad. Like who can pull off that? Um, all right, Chris. Okay. So as a reminder, my doc holiday is Ben Foster. And I would like you to imagine the end of the film, the Jason's the dead. final <laughs> showdown between Ben Foster and Jake Gyllenhaal. Ooh, yeah, that works. That's the Oscar clip right there. Yeah, right. Like yeah. He, he does two, great unhinged. Gyllenhaal yeah, he, he loses his mind really well. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> he does it so well in Ambulance. <laughs> I still haven't seen that. I'm, it's it's on the list be, just purely yeah. because I've heard yeah. Gyllenhaal is insane in that movie. He, he is Jake Gyllenhaal on cocaine in that movie. Yeah. Okay, um, so I need to see it. Yeah. All right, moving on to Ike. Uh, who do you have, Jake? So this would be the only spot where you could shoehorn Russell Brandon if you want, I think. Maybe. Uh, but... Obviously, snivelly is what we're looking for here, uh, and hateable. So uh, nobody makes the internet hate them quite like Pete Davidson. So Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> <I love it. laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That, that might be the pick of the show. <laughs> uh. Okay. Um. 
All right, look, I didn't really like remember Ike in this movie very much at all. Um, so I just wanted like a fun Easter egg role because also like I know he's in the movie, but he doesn't have like much screen time. So I just wanted kind of like an Easter egg role. Um, I mean, and I and I and I thought about putting it for Morgan this Easter egg role, um, but then there's the dying scene, and that's really important to nail right. And the person that I picked is not a like screen actor, um, at least as far as I know. Um, I'm casting Rob Whitehoff. Um, he is the voice of John Marston in Red Dead Redemption One and Two. Oh, Ooh. okay. I, again, yeah. I don't know how well he can act, but I wanted a fun Red Dead Redemption Easter egg in there somewhere. Well, and sure. that's playing against type because, like, if he plays characters like the one uh, in Red Dead Redemption, that's the same thing as like getting Stephen Lang to yeah. play like this yellow belly. Well, and, and I thought about casting the guy that voices Arthur in Red Dead Two, but it's a little bit more. The accent's a little bit more distinct. Yeah, I just thought. Um, yeah, Rob White. I think I think the guy that jo- does John Marston. I think that's his only role, right? That's the only thing he's ever done. Those uh, two games. I don't know. I, I pulled up IMDb to check. Um, he was in Sixteen Blocks, apparently, like a little cameo. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially, um, he's court officer in Sixteen Blocks, and he's plays a guy named Turk in The Outside. And then he was in something called Double Tap. Anyway, yeah, essentially that's all he's ever done. Um, mm. Yeah, because I know that they made that he made a, they made a big deal out of him even coming back for Reddit. Yeah, I'm, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. It's so either, fine. Maybe cast the guy that did Arthur Morgan. But uh, either way, I just I wanted a Red Dead Easter egg in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, uh, Chris, who did you pick? Uh, yeah, I mean, I. I felt real bad about this one because I just couldn't find someone that I was happy with. I, I ended up, I guess, settling uh, for Cameron Monaghan, who is in Shameless, and he plays the lead in those new Star Wars Jedi games. Oh! He's um, uh, like the Joker in Gotham, if you ever saw that. Yes, I believe so. I believe so, yeah. I've never seen that, though, but I believe that's correct. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, he plays Cal Kestis. Yes, in the, in the Jedi games. But yeah, not, not necessarily... Um, not He's necessarily a, a pick for for like a, a long conversation with myself. It's just more of a name that I ended up settling on. Sure, I think it works. Uh, Josephine, who is going to be the person that's going to steal away your Wyatt Earp? Uh, well, you know, we all love the love at first sight trope. So if it's going to work, uh, you need somebody like Margot Robbie to make that happen. So yeah, Margot that'll Robbie, do it. yeah, that'll do it. Um, I also picked Margot Robbie here. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It's look, I I was thinking of that scene in Wolf of Wall Street, right? Not not necessarily the scene, but like her arc in Wolf of Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Chris is giving me like why not? No, um, that's, that's your second that scene of the day. No, uh, but um, no, I was thinking uh the, the scene I was thinking of was the pool party scene, uh like where we first introduced to her because like it's immediate Leonardo DiCaprio is no longer interested in Kristen Milioti. He's in, exclusively interested in her and like Margot Robbie has that persona yep. to you know, and to talks. steal a man. Yep. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, Chris? Yeah. I mean, I could change my answer to Margot Robbie and call it a day. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I wasn't really, like, obviously, we, we talked about that role not really doing a whole lot for the movie. So, yeah. I, I, I ended up writing down Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but I think you put pretty much anyone in that role. Depending on how you write it, right? The, the idea with these fantasy, ca- yeah. the idea with these fantasy casts is it's always like you have the tone in mind, and that's why you pick your writer yeah. and director. In, you know, in the best possible circumstance, you would. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think I think she could she could do yeah. that role. 
I, uh, a little bit better than it was in in the original. I almost like her as Kate. That might sure, it. sure. Uh, all right. So then, who did you pick as your Kate? This is the one that uh, Jake put together the list, and I said, "Let's add Kate, um, which is Doc Holliday's girl." I think she has enough. She has probably she's the most to do out of the non Josephine women in this movie. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. so. you're not casting any of them. So. No, 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 no. Those not are all even Maddie extras. Because, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I went with uh, Zoe Saldana. <gasps> sort mm. of changed her from from making her European uh, to Hispanic. Okay. For Doc. Um, I thought anybody that has to be with Doc Holiday has to be kind of a wild card. Um, and... Uh, her character also is just kind of a wild card in this movie, but also can play the sympathetic. And so I thought, who is the world's best wild card? Margot Robbie. So, but she's going to be in a different colored wig. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. I, I actually initially cast Margot Robbie as Kate, and then I just couldn't find a Josephine. So I was like, Margot Robbie's going to have a dual role. It's going to be great. <laughs> Kate's not in the movie enough. Um, so Put on an accent, nobody will know. <laughs> uh, okay, Chris. Yeah, this was this was difficult. Um, I don't know it, because I wanted to stick to uh, like the the character, like she's mentioned as being Hungarian. Uh, I couldn't find any any actor of Hungarian descent that I was happy with, so I just cheated and went with vaguely Eastern European Olga Kurylenko. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's a good pick. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to do writer-director together, uh, really solidifying your movie as a whole. Uh, Jake, who you got? Yeah, I, sometimes the easy choices are the best choices. And if you're doing a modern tombstone, the guy you're getting to write it is Taylor Sheridan, and the guy you're getting to direct it is James Mangle. Thank you. Make yeah. my movie. Yeah, I mean, those, that's the obvious answers. I wasn't yeah. even thinking Taylor Sheridan initially, because we were talking earlier if we all have this like there's the easy answer and i was like that's james mangold right um but but i wanted to go for something a little bit harder um yeah I, so that i was even thinking like oh taylor sheridan could have been the either like <laughs> uh so I did both all right. hopefully my writer director combo will help you kind of get the tone that i want it's like i said a little bit funnier but i also still want this to be a serious movie but a little bit less serious too um this movie is being written um, by the combo of Alec Berg and Bill Hader and directed by Bill Hader. I want Barry energy from this. Okay. Um, I almost thought Robert Rodriguez energy. My, but that, maybe that, that's, that's... No, significantly more that, subdued. Yeah, but like, Hader's done his work in Barry. He's ready for a movie. I think, yeah. you know, a relatively simple story like this could do well. Put him with an all-star cast. Uh, you know, and Alec Berg writing it with him. You know, I think they work really well together. Some good comedy, some good action. I'm here for it. I like it. Chris? Yeah, I, I'm co-signing the Sheridan-Mangold uh, combo for this one. Yeah, it, it's it's the obvious answer, but, you know, sometimes the obvious answer is obvious because it's yeah. it would be the best version. It would be, for sure. Um, absolutely. Um, okay. Um, I think we've learned that we need Adam Driver, Michael Shannon, Margot Robbie... Uh, just in this movie, and, and that Sheridan Mangold combo needs to make it. Yeah, and, and then I think and you've then, come a long way. I, I really like this. Um, I've, I've I've thrown this out there in the episode a couple times. Um, listener, pick and choose um, the casting from our role, um, and then leave it in the replies on the Twitter. So, so pick pick and choose like who we've set up, and then and then make your fantasy cast um, out of what we've given. So 
uh, I like that idea. Um, so, so, so reply to this Twitter, send it to me in Slack or something. I don't, uh, what, whatever, send it to me on, uh, on email, uh, whatever you want to do. I would love to hear your combination based off of the three lists that we've, um, so, um, time constraints, we got to move this along. I uh, so won't, won't do a recap this week, but, um, spinoff, um, uh, I'm going to go first. The, um, the thing that I watched this week that I really enjoyed was cloudy with a chance of meatballs too. Um, it's no, it's not Phil Lord and Chris Miller behind this one. They are producers. And I think like story credits, uh, maybe even seen, I don't know. Uh, either way. So like that first one was Phil Lord and Chris Miller. So obviously it's better. Um, but I was surprised at how much I liked this one, especially cause like, obviously we never got a third one. So I just figured this one must've been bad. Um, because why would they not give a third one? And I liked it. Um, it's not great, but it's really good. So, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs too. I mean, really, the first one's great, and you should watch it. And the second one's good, and you should watch it. Uh, Chris, let's go with you next. Um, have we talked about The Last of Us yet on this podcast? No. Okay, go watch The Last of Us, and that's all <laughs> uh, That's all I'll have to say about that. It's so have good. you uh, played the games? I've played the games, yes. And they are both some of the greatest games of all time. I will not accept any talk back on part two. It's a fact. It's fantastic. I mean, the first one is, might suffer a little bit from being 10 years old at this point. I think the story is still fantastic. I mean, maybe the gameplay is a little bit aged out by now. but I think I played the, the PS4 version um, like summer 2020. Right. So I was way late to the party. So it was just one of those that you heard it's the best game ever. And I was like. It's fine. Um, yeah, I, I can see really how, it, how it would have aged out a little bit in that time. I'm really excited to replay it. Uh, I got a PS5 recently, so I'm gonna play. Oh, the uh, the the official remake. Um, I mean, if it if the... it goes on sale before I get around to playing it, but uh, right. But I have the PS4 remastered version too. I'll probably keep yeah. them. Uh, Jake, what is the one thing you want to recommend? Uh, so or one? Yeah, a lot of stuff uh, for reviews and then the podcast. So I was, it was a struggle until yesterday when I sat down and binged the first four episodes of Ryan Johnson's uh, new show on Peacock, which I already had because I worked with soccer. Uh, Poker Face. Um, it's really good. It's sort of there's a very loose thread running through the whole thing, but it's basically a killer of the week type mystery um, starring uh, Natasha Leone, and it's just more great uh, non-linear uh, murder mystery storytelling by Ryan Johnson, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So they, like I said, they released the first four episodes, Peacock. Um, and then they're going to be releasing stuff weekly on Thursday after that. And I'm really enjoying it. Nice. I need to steal somebody's Peacock login to, to watch this show. But Yeah. And I need to figure out where that's distributed here, if at all. Yeah. <laughs> Streaming landscape is weird. Yeah. Uh, well, on that note, that's a wrap. So a quick reminder that Sip Pop Writers Room. Wait, hold on. Remember that you can follow Chris and Jake um, on Letterboxd and then Jake on Twitter. Uh, I'll have... Um, uh, Chris's letterbox and Jake's uh, Twitter handle linked in the episode description, not you know added in the episode description. Um, you can follow me on Twitter or letterbox at Schweitcastle. And remember that Writers Room, Sip Hop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network, where you can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. And if you're interested in writing for sifpop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B-plot, uh, then you can email that to writersroom at sifpop.com. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes, 
uh, and or Spotify, whichever one you're listening to, but appreciate those reviews. And then um, next week I'll be talking about Ghost Rider and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance with Joe. Um, maybe we'll finally get unhinged to Joe because I don't think we're excited, but I kind of am. <laughs> and then come back in two weeks where Scott and Jeff will be joining to talk about three ninjas and 500 days of summer. They were the two that I couldn't pair anything with. So <laughs> Yeah, that's a double feature. That was going to be my next question. Was yeah. the connecting tissue there? Yeah, it was like, the, I, I couldn't find... No we, we had no other rom-coms listed or, um, uh, like, kids' movies. So, lumped they them together. Have, they both have uh, numbers in the title. So numbers in the title. There we go. There's <laughs> the connection. Uh, They're nice a, and close together as well. More of a connection than Max, Mask of Zorro and Tombstone, which we agreed off-air that is a really good pairing. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, anyway, uh, thanks guys for hanging out. I appreciate your time. We will see you next time.